Hello, I'm Tommy Peeler, and thank you for listening to our new podcast, Carefully Examining the Text. Today, we want to look at the seventh psalm. In Psalm 7, which is attributed to David, and it is stated that he sang this to the Lord concerning Cush the Benjamite. We don't know the identity of Cush the Benjamite, but we know that David had enemies from the tribe of Benjamin, from Saul's tribe. The first two verses of Psalm 7, O Lord my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all those who pursue me and deliver me. Or he will tear my soul like a lion, dragging me away while there is no one to deliver. He speaks of the Lord as my God. He speaks of him as my God, and he states in you, I have taken refuge. Psalm 2 verse 12, put pronounced a blessing upon all who take refuge in the Lord. Psalm 31 and Psalm 71 will open in similar ways. As a person who innocently took the life of another in an accident, could flee to the city of refuge and find protection. So the psalmist flees to God and finds protection. He finds deliverance from his problems and release from his troubles. But he begs God to save me, save me from those who pursue me. Deliver me or the enemy will tear his soul like a lion. Lions are often used of descriptions of the wicked in the book of Psalms. They are often used of the enemies that are threatening David. You see this in Psalm 10. We'll see this in Psalm 22. But he says, They will drag me away like a lion with no one to deliver. The word deliver in verse 2 is the same root word deliver in verse 1. Unless God delivers David, there will be no deliverance. There are none other that are strong enough to stand up against his foes. In the first two verses of the psalm, the enemy threatens to tear David apart. But in verses 3 through 5, David states that if he is guilty, he does not refuse to die, as I incorporate Paul's language from Acts chapter 25. If he is guilty, may God let him be judged. Notice the word if is found three times in the New American Standard in verses 3 and 4. O Lord my God, if... I have done this if there is injustice in my hands, if I have rewarded evil to my friend. In each of these cases, David is making a conditional statement. If he is guilty of what he is accused, he prays that he will suffer the fate that he so dreaded. In verse 1, he prayed that God would save him from all who pursue him. But the word pursue is also found in verse 5. 
If he is guilty of any of these crimes of which he's been accused, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. Let the enemy pursue me and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. If he is guilty, then let God judge him. If he is guilty, he does not want God to rescue him from his punishers, from his pursuers. In verses 7 through 11, he begs God to arise in judgment against his foes. I want you to notice the text in these verses, 6 through 11, and we're going to point out something about the boundaries of this text in just a moment. But in verse 6, after describing his problem and stating his innocence, he then begs God, Arise, O Lord. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift up yourself against the rage of my adversaries and arouse yourself for me. You have appointed judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples encompass you, and over them return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity that is in me. O let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. For the righteous God tries the hearts and the minds. My God is with my shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. I do believe the most natural break of this psalm is to begin this section with verse six and to end it with verse eleven. One reason I feel this is the most natural division of this psalm is because in this way, this section begins and ends with a reference to God's anger or God's wrath. In verse 6, arise, O Lord, in your anger. In verse 11, God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. The wrath of God, the indignation of God, is a Bible subject. It is a Bible subject that for some is a very inconvenient truth. But when God's absolute holiness meets man's sin, the result is God's wrath. And as David is being pursued by wicked men, hunted, by evil men. He begs God to arise in his anger. Some of you will remember in Psalm 6 that David opened that psalm by saying, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. While he begged God not to show anger to him in rebuking him, as these people are hunting him as if a lion was hunting its prey, He is begging God, God, please arise in your anger and judge such people. The idea of God's judgment or God is judge 
God as judge, is stressed quite frequently in this section. In verse 6, there's a reference, you have appointed judgment. In verse 8, the Lord judges the people. In verse 11, God is a righteous judge. God is a judge who has anger and indignation every day. As Romans 1 and verse 18 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Arise, O Lord, lift up yourself against the rage of my adversaries. The wrath of God, the indignation of God is necessary to meet and defeat the rage of wicked men. And God is pictured in verse 7 as judging all peoples, as judging the nations. And he begs God, vindicate me according to my righteousness. Verse 8, vindicate me according to my righteousness and my integrity. Just as he did in verses 3 through 5, David is once again affirming his innocence. Now, friend, I know that we have stressed, and the Bible stresses, and we have stressed as teachers and preachers and believers of the Bible the need for humility but I am worried that any time someone makes a reference to their integrity or their righteousness, that we sometimes are worried that this is self-righteousness. Does a person have to plead guilty to every charge made against him? Does a person have to acknowledge sin where there is none in order to be humble? If that is the qualification, when Job denied to his friends that he's committed some sinister sin that has led to his horrible suffering, then Job was guilty of self-righteousness. Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, according to the integrity that is in me. The psalmist knows his heart. He knows the charge made against him, and he knows he is not guilty while he begs God to vindicate him and to establish the righteous in verse 9. He also begs God to save him, to save the upright in heart in verse 10, and to show indignation toward those who are wicked. Beginning in verses 12 through 16, we have a statement of judgment upon the wicked. Lex talionis, which we have talked about before in this broadcast, the idea that what the wicked person seeks to do to others eventually recoils to himself. That idea is strong in verses 12 through 16. Listen to the text. In verse 12, if a man does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. Now, I acknowledge there's some difficulty in the original language with the subject of these actions. 
But it seems to me that God is saying, if man does not repent in the first line of verse 12, then he, God, will sharpen his sword. And I know that if you look at the text carefully, as we are seeking to encourage people to do in this broadcast, you may come to a different conclusion. But that's the conclusion I've come to. If man does not repent, God is pictured as sharpening his sword and bending his bow and preparing deadly weapons and making his arrows fiery shafts in order to shoot at the wicked person. Verse 14 describes this wicked person. Behold, he travails with wickedness. He conceives mischief and brings forth falsehood. You notice all those terms that refer to conception, to birth, as the wicked person is pictured as plotting, giving birth to his wicked plans. But look at verse 15 and 16. He has dug a pit and hallowed it out. He has fallen into the hole which he had made. His mischief will return on his own head, and his violence will descend upon his own pate. So if the wicked man does not repent in verse 12, God is preparing his fiery arrows, his deadly weapons, to bring judgment upon the wicked in verses 12 and 13. While this wicked man is plotting his mischief, planning his crimes in verse 14, God will ultimately bring those crimes back down upon his head. In verses 16, 15 and 16, he's dug a pit to capture others. He will fall into it. His violence, his mischief will return upon his own head. The word repent in verse 12 and the word return in verse 16 are from the same Hebrew word. If the man doesn't repent or return, God will return or bring back on him the wickedness that he has planned for others. In verse 17, I give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. You notice in verse 8 that the psalmist made reference to my righteousness, my righteousness, my integrity. But in verse 17, he makes reference to his righteousness, to God's righteousness, to God's holiness. I'll give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness, and I'll sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Now, I recognize that psalm is longer than the ones that we have covered previously, and there is much good material here. What I want to focus on in the next couple of minutes is the theme of God as judge from Psalm 7. Notice in verses 7 and 8, God is viewed as judge of all peoples. The text tells us that the assembly of the peoples is around God, that the Lord judges the peoples. There will be a day in which this God who 
is judge in Psalm 7, will judge all men. All nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from his goats in Matthew 25, beginning with verse 31. God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world by that man whom he has ordained, Jesus Christ, Acts 17, verse 31. God is the judge of all peoples. That was true in Psalm 7. That is true today. Now, as God's character as judge, verse 11 emphasizes that he is a righteous judge. He is a righteous judge. What does that mean? As Abraham asked in Genesis 18, verse 25, Will not the God of all the earth judge right, do right? The judge of all the earth is going to judge righteously. Paul talked about one day the Lord, the righteous judge, would give him a crown of life. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 8. God is the judge of all peoples. Psalm 7 verses 7 and 8. God is a righteous judge. Psalm 7 and verse 11. And God is a God who is angry with sin, as we've already pointed out. It is a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10, verse 31. If you are not prepared to meet God as judge, please write us, text us, let us know how we can help further to prepare you for that day. God is a God who is righteous, who is angry with sin, and it is terrifying to fall unprepared into his hand. God is a God who punishes the wicked. In verse 9, the request is, Oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end. In verse 11, God is a God who has indignation every day. In verses 12 through 16, you see the outworking of that judgment as God shoots his weapons at this one who is guilty and God brings the sins of the guilty back down upon his own head. And God vindicates the righteous in verse 8. Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity. Vindicate me. In verse 8, verse 9, God establishes the righteous. In verse 10, God saves the upright. So at the theological heart of Psalm 7 is the idea of God as judge. God is the judge of all people. God is the righteous judge. God is a God who is angry with sin and a judge who is angry with sin, who punishes the wicked and who vindicates the righteous. God is viewed as judge, and God is viewed as Savior from the opening of this psalm. Save me from all who pursue me. In verse 10, the Lord saves the upright in heart. God is judge, but God is Savior. 
God is the one who delivers, verse 1. And God is the one who is our refuge and security, in verse 1. And God can deliver when no one else can, verse 2. We have also tried to relate these psalms. We have also tried to relate these psalms to Jesus. And I want you to think points at which Jesus has things in common with the psalmist. Just as the psalmist was falsely accused, so was Jesus. Have you ever been accused of something that you haven't done? Maybe even something you never dreamed of doing. Jesus knows that feeling. And just as the psalmist could affirm his innocence and state that if he is guilty, let his pursuers find him and hunt him down, so Jesus is innocent of the charges made against him. But I'll tell you a difference between Jesus and the psalmist. The psalmist could not deliver himself. He called upon God to deliver him and rescue him in verse 1. And he states plainly in verse 2, God, if you do not rescue and deliver, no one else can or will. The psalmist was helpless to deliver himself. But Jesus did not go to the cross out of weakness. Jesus went to the cross in spite of strength. He said in Matthew 26, 52 through 54, Don't you know that I can pray to my Father and he would send more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus went to the cross in spite of strength. He shares with the psalmist that he was falsely accused, that he was innocent of what he was accused. He does not share with the psalmist the fact he could not deliver himself. Verse 6 calls upon God to arise. The psalmist said, Arise, O Lord, calls upon the Lord to arise in anger, in judgment against his foes. Do you know the word arise that's used here? In the Septuagint, the Greek translation, is the same word used in John 3, verse 14 and 15, John 8, verse 28, and John 12, verse 32, which speak of Jesus being Lifted up. Jesus was not lifted up in anger. Jesus was lifted up in love. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. While the psalmist begged God to vindicate him, God vindicated Jesus via the resurrection from the dead. Wicked men put him to death, but God raised him up. Acts 2, 22 through 24. Acts 4, 25 through 28. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, O Lord. The psalmist experienced that to some degree. Jesus does in a greater degree. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you.